I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I'm Craig Doyle and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week we're joined by Wasps Fly Half and last-minute conversion king, Jimmy Gopperth. Good to have you here. Lots of Wasps fans here and you're keeping them very, very excited right through to the bitter end. Uh, how are you at this stage of the season when there's silverware to still fight for? How are the nerves? Uh, it's pretty exciting, really. I think any rugby player, if you've got the opportunity to be uh, chasing silver at this time of year, it's, um, exciting. it's an exciting camp to be a part of. And, yeah, really looking forward to the next, com- uh, next weeks coming forward. Um, I know what your nerves are like. They're absolutely perfect. You have got ice water running through them because when we go back to the quarterfinal against the Exeter Chiefs, that kick to win the game was absolutely sensational. You know, the whole sort of pressure, we came back with 13 points down and, you know, time was nearly off, off the clock and we came back and to, to win in the fashion we did, playing the style we love to play, it was just a whole lot of emotion and uh, I was just really proud to, to finish it off for the, for the whole squad. And a different kind of pressure to the pressures you've experienced in the past in the Premiership. Obviously, with Newcastle, you fought so hard for them so many years, kicking so many crucial points. Um, a very different environment you're in now. And then, of course, Leinster as well, the three-time European champions, all their star players. Three very different environments. Can you compare and contrast them for us? Yeah, it's different. I've been very fortunate to experience different uh, environments and different teams. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in Newcastle. We had a great mates. Um, yeah, we, we, the rugby wasn't, wasn't flash. And we... You know, we were fighting for our lives most, most weekends, but I think I owe a lot to my career for being at Newcastle. It's created um, sort of different sides of my game I've had to learn. You know, we, we were on the back foot most of the time, so I've had to learn how to, to keep the forwards going forward and, and trying to find space. And then you go to a place like Leinster, you know, one of the best clubs in the world. Um, it was just really enjoyable to be a part of... Uh, you know, a, a great group of um, stars, and and now I'm just really enjoying this new Wasp team and someone. You know, we want to really take this uh, European rugby by the storm. Let's uh, look back, shall we? There was uh, something riding on most of the games in Round 21 last weekend, but the match with the most expectation was at Sandy Park, where the all-action pair of Exeter and Wasps went at it, both aiming for a home Premiership semi-final. Well, Exeter and Wasps have dished up some phenomenal performances so far this season. Let's, Jimmy, have straight away have a look at the top of the table, just to give an idea of why things are so important. At the moment, you are in third slot, so that means... Uh, you know, you're going to want to try and get a home semi-final. At the moment, you haven't got that. You'd be, if it stands as it is, you'd be playing against Exeter. We are talking about so much about the importance of a home semi-final. Does that feature in the players' minds? Is it as vital for you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's always important to be at home in, in the crucial stages of the competition. But, you know, with us going down last week, it's out of our hands now. All we can 
concentrators going to do a job on, on London Irish this weekend at home. Last game for some guys at home and uh, hopefully, you know, Quinn's do us a favour. Austin, when we look at that, that turnaround for Exeter, maybe Exeter was still emotionally drained from that, uh, that European encounter. But Exeter get the win this time round. Is that purely down to home advantage or had they changed their game plan in a way that maybe Wasps weren't expecting? I think they changed it a little bit, but they'll also be having that memory of what happened to them at the Rico in the quarterfinal. And that carries you quite a long way through. It gives you an extra 5-10% of energy. And uh, they, their, their tactics on the day were pretty good, defensively in particular. Um, but I, I think it's more a case of, you know, Wasps looked a little bit tired on the day. They talk just, about, yeah, just on that, in, defense, the past, yeah. in the past, that's been what Wasps were great at that, weren't they? Wouldn't necessarily be the best team all the way through the season, but come the finals, they were the team that could go up a couple of gears. And with some of the playma uh, get playmakers and, and big game finishes that they've got, I just think that's the team I wouldn't want to play in the knockout stages because you never know. You, you can be breezing like Exeter were and you know, feeling like you were comfortable in the, in the European quarterfinal and suddenly, bang, they hit you with two tries and, and you've lost the game. But that Exeter defence absolutely smothered them at yeah. Sandy Park. 116 tackles, 90% yeah. success rate, that was big. Well, if you look at where they got cut, it was probably from when the game opened up. So game control was very important, but then... When this man was getting the ball, they were flying up, like Saracens do, in that outside centre channel and almost cutting off his options while he's still looking back at them all. And, and that, that was what made it very, very difficult for them, was you know, how, do you, how do you get the ball to those threat runners where you can't if constantly you're having to cut back inside? Okay, let's get back to the weekend's Aviva Premiership highlights. And what a crucial weekend it was for so many teams. On Saturday, Leicester played Worcester and were looking to secure their place in the semi-finals for a 12th straight season. Incredible record. Northampton and Bath were seeking much-needed wins, as were London Irish. They were fighting for Premiership survival against Quinns at the Medeski Stadium. It was a must-win game for the Exiles. And uh, we're going to go delve deeper into London Irish and what went wrong, what they need to fix and what they'll do in the Championship a little bit later on. But, Benny, they've just... Let too many tries in, a key moment of the games all season. And, yeah, and you pinpointed the moment. They're not like a London Welsh, are they, where they were leaking tries and, and you knew it was going to be a, a cricket score at times. They've been competitive for large swathes of the games, but then they've just had brain freezes. And perhaps that is confidence. You know, when, when things aren't going well and you, know, you, you, you don't know why you're not winning the games, that's when people start looking at each other. When a team's low on confidence, they, they just don't want to make mistakes and they end up doing nothing rather than sometimes it's better to do the wrong thing but go, uh, Paul Gastard always says, if you're going to miss, miss big. At least get a shot on them and then, you know, and then everyone else can react to that. But if you just stand there and think, is it yours, is it mine? You're never going to be Just trying to affect the play yeah. somewhere. It's just that focus in small parts of the game. If they'd sorted that out, they would have won a, won a couple of those games. Confidence is key, isn't it? I mean, I've always really struggled with mine. And, um, <laughs> but it's, like, like you said, London Irish, it makes a big difference. You look at Bath, who are probably the other side, who have really struggled with their confidence, but that's manifested itself with them giving away penalties, getting yellow cards at key times and losing games. So it has a massive part to play, not only individually who you are in a team, but also collectively. And we've seen it from both those sides. Yeah, on the subject of confidence, we've seen that from the Falcons this season. And you felt there was a confidence they were going to stay up. Dean Richards never really looked particularly worried about things. They played some lovely rugby at times. Fair play to them this season, Jimmy. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm really pleased for, you know, not just the Falcons, but rugby up north that uh, they were up in the Premiership again. And it's, you know, it means so much for the, for the whole of north. But, um, yeah, going on the London Irish thing, you know, I've been there, done that with the Falcons. And it's, 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 it's a lot of confidence, but it, there's also a, the fear 
the fear that you don't know if you're going to be in the Premiership, you don't know if you're going to have a job next year. So, you know, that playing in your mind, it does, it does sit in your mind. And uh, I'm sure that last 20 minutes of those games, some of those players would definitely be uh, a little bit fearful. Let's talk about Gloucester sitting in that kind of no-man's land in the table, I suppose. And, you know, they feel they should be competing top six, if not top four. But interesting, they're still kind of sw switching around their tens. Greg Laidlaw hadn't played there in three and a half years. Did a fairly good job on the weekend. Then what do you make of him at ten? Yeah, no, well, he, he's an international player. He, he knows what he, he knows how to run a game, and you can see that by his experience. And, you know, they've had a lot of injuries this year, and, you know, they're mixing up with their tens. You know, young Billy, he's probably one that they'll they'll try and hone through and get uh, a lot more exposure to because um, he, he looks like he's got the goods uh, like his brother. He just needs, if he's going to play 10, he, he just needs a bit more time. He, mm. he looked a bit, not rusty, that's the wrong word, but the beginning of the game, it was almost as though he was playing by numbers, right, what's our game plan? OK, we'll hit the forwards up now, and that when there were opportunities wider. But then as the game went on, he obviously got used to it and, and started spotting that, that long pass over the top. That was because Sale were defending so narrow, he spotted it. Three, three on one on the outside, and, and you know, it's, he'll tell he'll tell you it, it was easy to swap positions from nine to ten. But if you're not doing, it, it, does. Does. it, it took a, it three took a certain years. amount of talent. Three years, <laughs> three years. No, to do it well, he it looked, would have he done, looked yeah. like a very good scrum half playing fly half. Yeah. That's what he looked like. He stood too deep. He distributed too early. But again, he kicked very well off the tee. He put, he didn't put any pressure on his, on himself or the forwards because he kept them going forward. The and French he did a good way, job. Yes. The yeah. French way. Um, I want you two boys to dip back to your Leicester days for a moment. Their 12th consecutive semi-final, it's incredible. And you think how they've reached those semi-finals over the years, sometimes in a really good season, some real slumps, mayhem going on in the club at times, but they always make it. What is the message when you're a Tigers player at the start of the season about the playoffs? You don't even talk about the playoffs. You just talk about which trophy you're going to win and you talk about how you're going to get there. You don't even consider that you're not going to be in the top four. And we've seen maybe this year with Bath that maybe they've had a little bit of a swagger about them and maybe that's knocked them a little bit. At Leicester, if you won the league or you won the European Cup, if you had a swagger at all, and I was pretty bad for this sort of stuff, it got kicked out of you very, very quickly. And I think there was a... There was a, a mainly by Ben. And <laughs> the forwards, but there's, there's a, not an instinct, but there's a... There's a desire not to let anyone down. And it almost flips the fear on its head. You talk about the fear of being at the bottom of the league. It's exactly the same fear at the top. It's the fear of not winning everything but, that drives you on and drives you on with your teammates. But Saracens are the same now. They don't exactly even the consider. Same, yeah. So they, they're actually in a better place than Leicester at the moment because they don't even consider. They are going, right, we're going to win this. We're going to win Europe. We're going to... They never think about getting into the top four. That will look after itself. But they're just solely focused on every week going out and making sure they get the W. And this is something that clubs need to learn. Bath need to learn it. Saints, I suppose, in a sense, need to learn that as well. Always finish top four. That's going to happen anyway. But they've been hard hit by big names leaving. Sam and Manoa affected the way they play rugby so much. But now we're seeing Tamina Harrison come in now. And he's, he seems to be offering that kind of game to the Saints, that kind of game they like to play off. Yeah, he is. With Sammy there, it was a big ball-carrying threat and he could offload. But, you know, he's coming, coming through and he, he's a great carrier. Um, he works really hard. I think his work rate's right up there. And he just, he just grits his teeth and he gets them over the gain line, which, you know, the whole of Northampton rely on just Ford's getting over the gain line and then Baxing taking the edges on. Um, but you see, he's a physical, physical player. Um, he's still learning the game um, in that back row, but he's make a huge impact this year. I think he's been their standout player. He's, he's as, as you said, get him over the game line when they, they've lacked a little bit of that without Manoa there. But 
Um, you know, if I was Eddie Jones, I'd definitely be taking him on the tour as a seven. Uh, but what I really like about him, he's played six, seven and eight this year, and he's, it's never made him have a dip in his performance. He's been just as good whichever position he's I think been. Hayward and Malander have been pretty good for the Saints as well. But he's also a prime example of, he's been at the club for a long time, I think maybe five years, four years, and we haven't seen much of him. Uh, maybe that's the perception that he, he couldn't deliver. And maybe in times of adversity and injuries, you get your opportunity as a rugby player and suddenly it changes. And then, you know, the perception now, I'm sure, of uh, Dorian West and Jim Malander is that he's one of their leaders next year. He will go into next season as one of their leaders from not even being in the squad for the previous three years. So it just goes to show having, having an open mind as a coach to whichever players are in your squad. Everyone's got talents and it's how you fit them in. And we've spoken at length about some of the coaches, Baxter, uh, Saracens, about how they actually mould their style of play to the strengths of their players. I'd like to see more of that next season. So, a year before Harrison arrived at Saints, uh, a grizzly old African fellow by the name of Jacques Berger arrived at Saracens, and he has been incredible for them. Quite sad scene, seeing him leave the pitch for the last time. Very oh, emotional for him. Probably, what are your thoughts yeah, on Yeah, probably one of the saddest retirements we've had, because he has lit up the Premiership, and not because of his scintillating handling skills or his ability to run great lines. He just has a complete disregard for his own and everyone else's safety, <laughs> and that's exciting in a collision sport. Every time he goes in and, and you know you look where Saracens we talked about them being so successful where have they based their success it's been on their defence and he's been the leader of it what I love about it is actually on and off the field although he plays like he hates you on the field off the field he's a great bloke as so well makes it all it'll be a huge remarkable. loss for the Premiership absolutely remarkable he's had an osteotomy which we weren't allowed to talk about we didn't want to talk about it because maybe other players might have targeted it he's retired now we can talk about it no one comes back and plays professional sport. What is that? It's where they break your femur and they take a chunk out of your femur to realign it to take the pressure off your knee. You shouldn't really go running again. And this guy's played for three years with it. You want to know if he's hard? That's proper hard. Oh, yeah. But I have to say, he's been our guest on the show a few times. What a lovely fellow, but such an impressive career as well, Jimmy. And I'm just looking at him um, and his Rugby World Cups, three of them with Namibia. And, and, and particularly in 2011, the effect he had on his national side and the positivity and the attention he brought to them was incredible. Oh, it was unbelievable. He's, he's just such a, a figure of rugby throughout the world now. And, you know, he's a guy that you didn't like to play against because uh, as a 10, you knew he was coming for you. And, you know, he, he's just one of those guys that everyone loves to hate, I suppose. You hate him on the field because he's going to smash you. But off the field, he's just done so much for the rugby community and, and especially back at his, his home, uh, home country. So, you know, we wish him well. And, um, you know, he's just had a stellar career. Yeah, devastating news for London Irish. And, gentlemen, the, the, the headlines were bleak and they were there in black and white. Irish show fight, but are too late to avoid the drop. Craig, I'm going to come to you first on this one because there is a huge emotional impact of a team getting relegated. But it seems that for London Irish, even more so, this connection between the expat community and London Irish, that really was strong, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it had a very old-fashioned role within London, a big, big old city, but then you had this rugby club kind of in the middle of it where Irish people and young Irish people coming over to London and it can be, you know, we, we do travel a bit, but it can be a bit kind of frightening at times and you want to go meet up with your mates on a weekend and it was a very familiar place for Irish people to go and hang out and you had Irish coffees and you sang a load of songs and there was always a bit of fun, the band always played afterwards. So it was a place we all kind of met up and it's interesting, when I go to the Medeski now, I see the same faces there and a lot of old people and I really feel sorry for them because there's a lot of Irish people in their you know early 60s 
who kind of still think of home, but it might have been in England for 20 or 30 years, but they use that as their connection to home. Like, it's still there, but it won't be the same. We're fooling ourselves if we think uh, it'll yeah, be the I, same. I think that might be one of the best things they've got going for them, the fact that despite getting relegated, they've still got that traditional rugby club atmosphere and people will still come down there. It's not like, you know, they're, they're going to go down and everyone's going to go, well, we'll go and watch someone else because they have that Irish connection. But for me, it is that confidence thing. They... But for the last four years, they've almost been set... Steve Peters, the psychologist who did British cycling, he, he came in and did a bit with the England rugby team. He said, reach for, the, reach for the stars, you might just get the moon. But if you reach too low, you'll, you'll set, you might drop below that. And I think for the last four years, they've been doing that. They've been going, let's survive, let's survive, let's survive. And eventually, you're not going to survive. They need to be thinking higher up than that. And teams have left the Premiership and reassessed their goals, got rid of some of the chaff, the, decided who was important to them going forward. The likes of Harlequins, the likes of Northampton, they've come back and they've been strong teams. That's what London Irish need to do. They can't come back in and go, first season, let's not get relegated, because they'll probably just bounce straight back down. Do, do you know what I don't buy into? Uh, I don't buy into this, ah, you know, going out to the Championship isn't a bad thing, you can clear a few players, you can re restructure. No, being in the best competition, club competition in the world is the best place to be, all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. And also, if you're in the Championship, you need two things, or three things to get back out. You either need lots and lots of money, like Bristol have, or you need to have the ownership of a city, like Bristol have, or you need to have a real identity that draws players towards you, which London Irish can have. They can have, like you said, that expat community. I remember it being a really welcoming club. It was almost the focal point for under-21 competition. We went down there, everybody played, we looted the shop, and then we went home. It was, <laughs> honestly, that's what it was like back in the old days. It was a brilliant place to go and play rugby. We asked on Twitter, will they bounce back at the first attempt? And we had quite a lot of votes, actually, 720 votes, and 57% think they will. But it's, but, down, but it's down to you, that team. You, you mentioned Bristol, and, and at the moment, you know, they're battling away yet again in a playoff to get themselves out of the championship. Well-funded, their own ground, all looking good, but they still can't get out of the championship. They might do it this time around, so it's not easy when you drop in there. It's not money easy. Money against Northern Grit, isn't it? Possibly against Doncaster. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, um, Jimmy, you know Tom Coventry from back in New Zealand, of course. Uh, I don't know if he's going to stay with the club or not, but... Um, Right man, wrong job, do you think, or what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's just the timing, you know, he's very well respected back in New Zealand, um, the things he's done and the way he coaches, I think he's just come in at a time when London Irish are in that transition period and, um, you know, the, they haven't been helped with a lot of injuries and, you know, he's obviously come from Super Rugby with the Chiefs, um, who's done, done an excellent job and the Premiership's totally different than Super Rugby and, you know, he's got to implement his style on, on a club that's, you know, trying to rebuild themselves um, and the player-wise. So, had lots of new faces and it was just a tough ask. And when you have a few injuries to key players, um, it just didn't go well. Um, I know you want to talk about rebuilding, but uh, Bob Casey is just a really good guy. We all know him. He's so passionate about the club. And he was really, he was really broken-hearted. You could see that in the final whistle. But um, this is what he had to say about the future and what their plans are with the players they have. How confident are you going forward that you can keep hold of talent like that? Well, they're all signed. They've all got contracts and our owners are very committed. The first thing Mick Cross and our owner said was sort out our academy. We, we had the best academy in the Premiership. It went and now we have it again and we are going to keep on to those players and you saw them today. Theo, Johnny, we won the under-18s and those guys are contracted with us for next season and, you know, a year in the Championship with, with our academy guys getting extra game time, you know, that can be positive for the club. All the best. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers, Bob. 
Tim Cocker there asking the questions. Ben, they will be scratching their heads. What on earth do they do? We put up a graphic a few weeks ago saying these are the players who they've lost in the past. He, Bob Casey, is pretty confident they've got these guys tied down. It seems they are going to focus on the youth and not go hunting around for journeyman pros to try and get them out of a championship. Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, they've got some, some really, really good talent in there. They'll need some experienced heads as well. Um, but actually, sometimes, you know, young, pl young players playing in that lower level, it, it can be a, a different environment and, and it can actually add to your sort of rugby education. So I think they are doing the right thing. But they almost realised too late that people were coming in poaching. We could all see it, but... You know, you've got to focus. Yes, some of it's money, but also it goes back back to the the whole environment. And players want to stay. Players want to stay and play for Saracens. Players want to stay and play for Leicester. Players want to stay and play for Northampton. London Irish don't have that at the moment, but they can get it. I think they that's largely the game, though, isn't it? Well, isn't so, it? Aren't we being a little bit sort of, uh, I think, purist? I think players don't want to stay and play. Well, they if they, if they, they think they're going to get success. But they, if they get offered twice as much money elsewhere, they know that it's a but short I suppose life, the key, the key thing play. for the young players is getting game time, and that's what we're seeing. The guys who, who are playing games are then getting the recognition and they're, they're going on to higher honours. Uh, Jimmy, you had experience with, with Falcons coming back up, and what, what approach, what mental approach does a team need? I mean, we heard from Dean Richards, we'll hear from him in a minute, as to what he feels is the approach. But as a player, what is the mental approach of a team that's been relegated to get back? Yeah, obviously, you'd, you take a big hit uh, mentally, but you've got to regroup. And the whole thing from the very start, very first day of pre-season is we're a premiership team. Um, that's how you've got to focus. That's how you've got to train. You know, you want to be playing in the premiership, so you've got to focus and you've got to, you know, you've got to feel like you are a premiership outfit. Um, and then you go week in, week out, of just trying to you know build as much momentum as possible because it is the tough the championship's really tough and the the level's getting a lot better but you've got to keep the your key core guys together if you can keep them together then you can blood the youth bring them through give them experience but if you've got those key guys in key areas that can help you know when the pressure comes on to play off time um, because if you win the league it doesn't mean anything you still got to do a playoff so if you keep those key experience guys in those positions that can help you just get straight back well, let, let, we should let, point out yeah. actually, that they won the academy cup okay so there is there is stock there who can bring them success it's that bridging thing, yeah yeah there it? is now let's listen to uh, from, from dean ryan and dean richards two men who have guided teams back into the premiership this is a little bit of advice that they like to give to london irish I think it's a huge challenge, and uh, the first thing you, you know got to do is just recognise the competition, respect the competition. It's a long time. You go to a lot of difficult venues and, and against pretty fired-up opposition every single week, so it's different from what you're used to. So you've got to get your head around that, and you've got to get your head around a playoff situation. But uh, I think what you'll do over the next few weeks it'll hurt, but uh, I think it'll give you a chance to clear the mind and get some clarity around the people that you think are the, are the right ones to take you forward. Yeah, I think every week you've got to make a statement, haven't you? And uh, so out there, you uh, if you win it every week throughout the year, then at the end of the season, when it comes to the playoff, you know, mentally you've 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 got that edge on them already. I think you lose one, two, three games, then it gives people that little bit of a uh, an opening, a, a, a glimpse of uh, of hope. And uh, but if you nail every game, you win every game, then at the end of the season, they're you know, they're, they're dead and buried. Um, who do they keep? As many as they possibly can, yeah. if they but who's can the key it. man? Who's the key man? You look at Worcester keeping Chris Pennell, building a back line around him. Who do London Irish keep? I think Simmons or Blair Cowan. Uh, Lewington, I think, is their, probably their star player. Williams in the centre. John, John, I think him, because he signals someone from the academy that if they lose him, what Bob Casey's just been saying 
goes out the window, doesn't it? We haven't been able to keep our, our star players. Yeah, and interesting, uh, they're the saying about this, this this mental battle you have with the other we, teams. You go from through being, the championship. Yeah, we are still a Premiership outfit. Well, you We're go from being you. the bottom team in the Premiership, the one that struggled and almost, you know, feeling bad from being down there, to suddenly being the big fish that everyone wants to take out. It's a very, very different uh, psychological battle you're going to face. And it's a tough one. We've mentioned about Bristol struggling to get out. This is the situation at the moment in the Championship. Of course, they go into a doubleheader playoffs and then into a doubleheader final advantage. Doncaster Knights and Bristol. London Irish's faintest hope of surviving in the Premiership was the Bedford Blues would win the Championship playoffs. They're not going to do that because they wouldn't qualify to go up, so London Irish would stay. But from here on in, Austin, this is where the, the battle starts now, doesn't it? To get yeah, it does. It out. looks like it's going to be, if you just go on those games, Bristol versus Doncaster. Strangely, they've both beaten each other away this season, so they're quite finely balanced. And who'd have thought it? Bristol, with all this money, really big backer, massive crowds, great stadium, versus little old Doncaster, the second side from Yorkshire. I'm supporting the underdog. I'd love to see the underdog go through in that scenario. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back next week. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.